Thank you for tuning into this sermon from New Life Student Ministries. Our goal is to inspire, equip, and support our students and families with biblically rich and God-centered teaching. These messages are meant to be supplemental and not substitutional for our weekly gathering. We hope this sermon is a blessing to you and your spiritual walk. Let's begin, and I'm gonna do a little recap into what we've been talking about. We've been going through the wisdom literature, and it's been Proverbs, and we've talked about how God is friend, God speaks, how God is generous, how God is better, how um, we talked, Tim, Pastor Tim talked about love a couple weeks ago. I don't know how that went for you guys. It was really awesome in junior high. Um, but we talked about all those things and now we're gonna go into the book of Ecclesiastes for this week. And then the following week, next week, we'll go into the book of Job. We really could have done Ecclesiastes in an entire sermon series, but it would have been like mucho depresso. Like it is the saddest book ever. And we're gonna learn that. I'm gonna read some of it. It is so, so depressing, but it's so worth the read once you get to the end. The key is get to the end. It's like, don't read the end of the chapter or the end of the book until you've read all of it. And then Pastor Tim will go into Job next week. But I'm gonna do a little bit of recap. First, the God statement is God is life. Everyone say God is life. Nice, and we're gonna define the why behind that. But I wanna give you a little background into this book of Ecclesiastes. Um, if I call it the book of Ephesians, that's my fault, it's Ecclesiastes. Every time I've practiced this, I've said Ephesians, but it's Ecclesiastes. So just keep that in your mind. If I switch over to Ephesians, that's incorrect. But it's, we're first talking about Solomon. King Solomon was the one who wrote this. Um, some scholars also say that his scribe or a scribe helped write it, but it was really an account of Solomon's life where this guy, he knew God in his youth, very similar to you guys, he knew who God was. He was wise, he was strong, and he was very, very, very successful. But he had to wrestle with some of these questions and the questions of what is the meaning of life? What a terrible question. He literally spends his whole life trying to figure out what is the meaning to life? And we're gonna walk through three different seasons of his life. The first one is, what is the meaning of life? Where he's like, life is meaningless. And you'll see, anyway, you'll figure out. It's really sad. He goes, life is meaningless. And then he figures out in the next season of life, if life's meaningless, why not full send it? In the words of Charlie, he might say, let's huck it. Yeah. Or, or steezy, there you go, let's huck it. But then his last season of life, he goes, well, if life's meaningless, why are we living and why is there a God? And so I'm gonna do my best to answer these questions. They're big questions, but through Ecclesiastes, I know, Brian, this is a tough one. <laughs> through the book of Ecclesiastes, we're gonna do our best to answer these questions. But um, first I wanna pray and then I'm gonna read, but while I'm praying, you guys just bow your heads, open up your hearts and your mind to what the Lord has today. So Jesus, we love you. And Jesus, we thank you for this evening. God, I thank you for the opportunity to even come and teach your word, to come and even get a glimpse of the life of someone who, who wanted to know more about you, God. And may we be open to the word that you have presented before us today. God, would you open our eyes and open our hearts and would you cultivate the soil within our hearts to be receptive to the seeds that you're planting, God, so that we may bear fruit from this. Lord, teach us so that we may know that you are good, that you are the God of life, that you are the God of hope, that you put meaning to everything. God, you care about every detail of our lives. You've given us a hope, an eternal hope. And so may we see that today, but may we grasp the, 
meaninglessness of life under the sun while also understanding, God, that you give us purpose and that you give us meaning. So in your son's name, we give you this message and we give you today. In your name, amen. Okay, I'm gonna read all of Ephesians 1. You can close your eyes. I don't have it on here because it is a V-long text. Dang it, Ecclesiastes. Oh, see, I told you. Thank you, keep doing that next time. Okay, we're gonna read chapter one, the whole thing. I encourage you either close your eyes or read along with me, but we're just gonna, we're gonna go for it. The, the writer, Solomon, starts out by saying, the words of the teacher, son of David, king of Jerusalem. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. We're off to a good start. Okay. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever turning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, something is new. It was here already, long ago. It was here before our time. No one remembers the former generations and even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. I, the teacher, was king over Jerusalem. I applied my mind to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under the heavens. What a heavy burden God has laid on mankind. I have seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. What, what, a crooked, what, what is crooked cannot be straightened. What is lacking cannot be counted. I said to myself, look, I have increased in wisdom more than anyone who has ruled over Jerusalem before me. I have experienced much of wisdom and knowledge. Then I applied myself to the understanding of wisdom and also the madness and folly. But I learned all of this too, is chasing after the wind. For with much wisdom comes much sorrow. For more knowledge, the more grief. This is the word of the Lord. <laughs> Thanks be to God. Woo-wee, guys. That was sad. What's sad is like, he's just, he's like, everything's meaningless. But we see Solomon's talking about like generations come, generations go, which means like from dust to dust, we don't know like past generations and our future generations won't know us. So what is the point of life? And then it says the sun and the moon, they do their own thing. It's like they appear during the day and during the night and it's like they do the same thing over regardless of what we do on earth. Whether everyone stayed in their house for the rest of their lives or everyone was doing all the things, nothing, like the earth and the moon and the stars and the sun, nothing would change. The wind does its own thing. The waters do its own thing. The ocean's never full. He's even like, guys, we are always wanting more. Like our eyes can never get enough. We always wanna see new things. I'm always like, okay, what's the next adventure we can go on? All the pictures I take, I have literally hundreds of pictures on my phone of a sunset or the mountains and I never look back at them, but I have them, they're there. My eyes always want more and my ears always wanna hear more, maybe except for you introverts, but like, I'm like more, 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 all these people, more, I wanna experience more, like music and podcasts. And it's just like, this is, Solomon's like, it's meaningless because whether you listen to all the things or none of the things, it doesn't matter because when you die, you die and you're in the ground and nothing more happens. 
I was like, God, please help me sound encouraging at the end of this, because this is really sad. Um, but it was like, okay, so say I got, um, when I first got a phone, I got it when my older brother got it, and he was like mad because I got it the same time he did, and maybe you older siblings are a little jealous if this happened to you, but when I got my phone, I was like, this is so cool. It was like a new baby. I was like, I would put protection over, like coverings, screen protectors, everything. I like didn't take it out very often. It looked like a smartphone. It wasn't a smartphone. It was, it, all you could do is talk and text. I don't know if you guys know what that is, but it looked so cool, and it was like smaller and cute, um, but it ended up in the toilet three-ish more times. <laughs> It ended up in the dryer, in my ski pants. Uh, it ended getting chucked across the room. I don't know how, it was an accident. Um, and I was like, man, this, guys, it still worked. This, the fourth time, third time in the toilet, I was like, let's go. Um, but it, <laughs> oh, don't recommend. Um, they don't make them like they used to. Um, and then they were in the dryer and I was like, surely it's gotta be broken, wasn't. It was like, it was like hot my phone. So I ended up like painting the back with nail polish. It was really trendy and cute. And I ended up like throwing it around and got another one and got another one. But like the point is it was like nothing. The second, like it was new and nice and shiny. And then I got another one and I'll probably have 15 more by the time that I die. So it's like, that's like what electronics these days, everyone wants more. Like what's the new PS15, PS5, that. Or the new Tesla. I mean, come, I mean, people are trying to get to Mars. What's the guy's name? Elon Musk. Rich, Carson, Carson showed me a picture of him the other day. I was like, yeah, I wouldn't have been able to recognize him. Richest man, I kid you not. He's trying to send people to Mars. You probably already knew this. This was news to me. In 30 years? Is it in 2030? I don't even know. But in thir- those, that's 10 years. <laughs> Woo, quick math. Okay, but all I'm saying is we are never satisfied with the next big thing. Like the next big thing comes and then we want another next big thing. And Carson and I are looking at getting a TV and I was like, that's lame. It doesn't have Apple TV or that's lame. It doesn't have, uh, I don't know what TVs have these days. I was like, that one's not big enough. You know, like we always want the next big thing. But Solomon's like, guys, regardless of whether you have the newest Tesla, they're coming out with a truck. Carson told me all these cool things. And then it's like, there's all these new things, but whether you have nothing or whether you have everything, it's meaningless. The end. Just kidding. <laughs> um, okay. That was just like, that was, okay, that's his first movement. So we have Solomon's like, everything's meaningless. And then he goes, okay, well, if everything's meaningless, why not full send it? So he's like, I'll read you. I'll read you what he did. It was actually really cool. Okay, go to chapter two, verse four through nine. He says, I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves and flourish, of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. He's very humble. I assumed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers and harem, which are concubines as well. And in delight, and the delights of a man's heart. I became greater and far, whoa, I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. And all this was done with wisdom within me. 
Okay, so now he's like, I'm gonna drink, I'm gonna have all the wives I want, I'm literally creating forests and building pools to water the forests, I have gardens, I have homes, and he's like, I am better than all of you peasants. And still, this is what he says after that. Chapter two, verse 15, he says, then I said to myself, the fate of the fool will overtake me also. What then do I gain by being wise? I said to myself, this too is meaningless. For the wise, like the fool, will not be long remembered. The days have already come when both have forgotten, have been forgotten. Like the fool, the wise too must die. So I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. I wanna put a pause on that. Every time he says life under the sun, that was a very common theme that he said over and over and over in this book of Ecclesiastes. Um, it means just life without eternity, life on this earth, under the sun, as in from birth to death, this is the life under the sun. It's not talking about religion or life after death. He's just like life under the sun. So this, he's saying life is meaningless under the sun. And remember that caveat, under the sun, life is meaningless. And so he says in that section of chapter two that it's not like he tried to full send it, he had everything, but whether he was foolish or whether he was wise, which he tried to be wise, he tried to do hard work, he tried to cultivate community, he tried to be wealthy so that he could flourish. Like he was like, I'm wise, I'm doing the good work, the hard work, but at the end of the day, just like the foolish man who doesn't do anything with his life, I too will die again. What's the meaning of life? Why are we living if at the end of the day we just go into the ground? No one remembers us. And maybe some of you guys have asked that question before. Maybe some of you have been wondering like, why am I here? What is the purpose to, why, where, why is there breath in my lungs? Why am I doing what I'm doing here on earth? And we're gonna continue and I hope that this encourages you um, but I wanna share a little story. It's a little bit personal, um, but it, it, Carson and I went to Texas, as I've said five times. Um, we were there and we got to connect with my cousin who was walking through a divorce where it, he, but a little bit before Carson and I got married, he, his wife left him. It was very sudden, he had, there was no warning. He had, didn't see it coming at all. They weren't fighting, there was no strife. He was like, I don't know why it happened. But it wasn't that she just left him, she left him for another woman. And on top of that, they have two little kiddos, two and four years old. And so I'm sitting with my cousin over Thanksgiving break and he's sitting there and he's just crying. Cause he's like, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get, I can't single parent. This is so difficult. It's so hard. He's like really struggling. And to me, he's like some tough, solid guy, but inside his heart is broken and it, it doesn't make sense. And I was first angry with his now ex-wife. I was really like frustrated with her. Like, why did you do that? But now I'm sitting here, I'm like, it makes sense. Like reading through this, it makes sense. And it makes sense because we as human beings were created in the image of God. If you've heard us say it, it's Imago Dei, which means made in the image of God. And when we're made in the image of someone who is eternal, so will be forever, there is no beginning and there is no end, there will be, because we were created by someone who is eternal, an eternal hole in our hearts. It sounds cheesy, but I call it a God-sized hole. This is how we live. We live with a God-sized hole. We will forever and always live like that. But my cousin's ex-wife, it makes sense why she did what she did, unfortunately, because 
She's never satisfied. She wasn't satisfied with her husband. She wasn't satisfied with her family being her family. She wasn't satisfied when they moved to the church that they moved to, to the community that they moved to. Like she was just unsettled. I don't, I've felt unsettled so many, so many times in my life. But it was like, why would you leave something so good and so like, like God-centered? Because th- like they were in the church. They knew who God was. She didn't just leave him. She left him for another woman. It was like, why? Why does this make sense? It was because she, like as finite beings, we will never be satisfied with things on this earth. So know that like going into like your home life or into a relationship or into whatever, whatever sports it is. Like you're, if you're like benched, you're like, man, I've been practicing this whole season and I've been benched this whole season. I have a friend, he plays on the Air Force football team, senior year, benched the entire year. Why? He's put in the work. He's really good. There's just better people than him. And he is the coolest guy. He's like, it's okay. He's satisfied in Christ. And so even the thing that he is going to school for doesn't allow him to do that thing. He is like, God is enough. And that was the coolest thing ever. It was like, okay, Lord, like he gets that. You are filling that God-sized hole in him so that anything that really happens, obviously you can get rattled, frustrated, hurt, you can be angry. Like those are all good things, normal things. But at the end of the day, the gift that Solomon gives us is an eternal perspective. And I'll get to that. But my cousin's ex-wife, she doesn't have that eternal perspective. She is like, I'm gonna find, like Solomon, I'm gonna try and find everything I can to satisfy that hole in my heart. Guaranteed it's not gonna happen. Guarantee it will not happen. So then we're gonna jump to um, chapter 12. So this is like the fourth quarter of the game. We've got the first three quarters and it's like meaningless, meaningless, life is but a vapor. Um, Solomon calls it hevel, which means life is a mist, a dust. We are just a vapor in the wind. That is what life is. And then he gets to the fourth quarter part of the game is literally the last third of chapter 12, where he says this. Now all has been heard here in the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. And so he's sitting there and he's looking back at like those seasons of life where he's like, what is the meaning of life? Why are we living? Why, do, why are we doing this? And Dr. Walter Kasser has a quote up here, um, said this. I ran across it while I was studying. He says, Kohelet, which is the, I think it's Greek or Hebrew word for teacher, who is Solomon, so the teacher, was working on the problem of man's attempt to find meaning in all aspects of God's world without coming to know the world's creator, sustainer, and judge. So we're searching and we're searching and we're searching and searching for all the things on this earth to sustain us while we're not actually looking at the one who created us, the one who created this earth. Everything that's finite, we're searching, we're searching, we're searching. What's the next relationship? What's the next cute outfit? Trust me, I spend time on Pinterest to look at outfits and nothing satisfies. Trust me, I know. But it's like Instagram and Facebook and YouTube and all these things like in life are the next car. Or like maybe you don't have a car. So you're like, when do I get a car? When do I get my license? When am I going to graduate high school? Like we're always looking for the next best thing where it's like, okay, once I get there, I'm going to be satisfied. I kid you not, you will not be satisfied. 
because we're looking for something in a finite world to satisfy us where we have an infinite hole in our heart, something that we'll never be satisfied without the Lord. So why are we living? What is the meaning of life? I caught my eye reading through, I read through Ecclesiastes and I was like, Solomon never questions if there's a God, he just questions why there's a God. He's like, why did you create us, Lord? Why are we here? Go, show of hands, did you guys, have you guys ever wondered that? Or just me? Okay, cool, 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 yay, cool, cool. Okay, not just me. But I was like, man, he's, he's asking a very good question. Um, and his answer is to obey God and to keep his commandments. And his commandments are to love God and love one another and to make fishers of men, to share the gospel. That is why we're here. And it's because us as Christ followers, Christians, which is many Christs, I need to learn my Hebrew and Greek. I don't know what it is, but like Christian means like many Christs. We are made in the image of Christ. We are image bearers of Christ. We believe that God is gonna allow us to spend eternity with him. And so when we carry that gift, we are still on this earth so that we can share that gift. And Solomon gives us this gift of, it's like a pair of glasses, you know? Did, did you guys ever go to like those movie theaters with 3D and they gave you the glasses and then you like poked the holes out of them and you wore them to school? It was cool at a time, not anymore. We were moving and I found them and I was like, get that out of here. I like put taper on the middle anyway. Moving on, I was that kid. I tried, I tried to be cool. Um, Mariah can attest that I might've been cool maybe once in my life. But it was like at, at the end of the day, Solomon's saying like, obey God. He's saying, obey God and keep his commandments. And at the end of the day, you're gonna face God and he's gonna go through an account of all the things in our life. And so at the beginning when Solomon's like, what is the meaning of life? Well, I'm here to tell you that everything means something in light of eternity. Because when we put on the lens of eternity, we see that some people will be spending eternity in heaven and some people will not be. And that is a huge slap in the face, to me at least. This, this book convicted me. And I hope that it convicts you guys too. It doesn't, it not condemns you and saying, well, you need to live better, you need to stop striving. But it's like, instead of putting our hope in getting the next best thing, let's put our hope in eternity and spending eternity with Christ and being obedient to God along the way. And in turn, we're gonna be like able to face God. It says it in Romans, we'll be able to face God and he's gonna go through an entire account of what we do with our lives. So instead of saying nothing's meaningless, so you could just do whatever you want, full send it all your life, drink, sleep around, go to parties, do what satisfies you. And at the end of the day on your deathbed, you're like, oh, now I'm gonna take God up for that offer of spending eternity with him. You know, it might work that way, but you're gonna have to face God one way or another and be like, Lord, I'm sorry that I did not, I didn't live honoring you. I didn't live loving you. I didn't live obeying you. And I want this to convict you and not condemn you guys. Convict you of like, man, am I able to take out my 3D glasses that say like the lens of eternity and filter through everything? Is this helping the kingdom of God? Is this hurting the kingdom of God? Because when we say we are image bearers, we are bringing the kingdom of God to this earth, we have a responsibility a responsibility to care for the people of God and care for the people who don't know God, both and, which is really cool. And so 
There is a story. Um, I can have the band come back up. I'm a little early, but that's okay. We can have the band come back up. There was this guy in Australia, Sydney, Australia. He was a, he was a drunkard. He was a criminal. He was abusive. And so he had been, he had been in some hard places. He had been to war. And so there was a lot of like mental stuff that happened with him. And he's, he's already passed away, but this was, I think, 1920s. You can look it up. His name's Arthur Stace. He is known as Mr. Eternity. And he's known as this because he was forced to go to church because he was an alcoholic and they're having them go to church. And there was one message, one sermon that caught his attention. And this attention was, um, the preacher was talking about in light of eternity, your life matters. Your life matters because in everything that you do, you're gonna come before God and he's gonna ask you like, how'd you live your life? And he, it stuck with him. And so he left that church service and he was like, God, he gave his life to Christ that day, praise God, but he was like, okay, God, what do you want me to do? And he was illiterate, which means like he didn't know how to write, but all of a sudden he felt like he needed to write the word of eternity on the ground. So he found a piece of chalk, I don't know where he got the chalk, but he found the piece of chalk and he wrote the word eternity in this like eloquent letters, beautifully written, even though he did not know how to write very well. Um, and he wrote it on the ground, but then he kept writing it. Literally for, I think it said 30 years, 30 years, um, he did this. And for 19 of those years, no one knew that he was doing it. Everyone knew him to be the drunkard. Everyone knew him to be the war veteran who had PTSD, who was a criminal, and people tried to avoid him. But the word eternity started changing people every single day. And it ended up being on this massive bridge in Sydney, Australia, there is the word in those like really cool highlighted letters, eternity. And it's because this guy, for 30 years of his life, he died still doing this, was writing the word eternity because he knew how important it was. He knew that in light of eternity, everyone needed to focus on that. Because like, as opposed to us being like a vapor in the wind, hevel, a dust, a mist, he wanted us to know that there's value. And then once we die on this earth, we don't just like, there's, it's not like there's nothing after that. We get to spend eternity with God. And he knew that. He knew that. And that was so important to him. And so I know this is, we're gonna take a little extra time in worship, um, but I want you guys to think through this. Let's, let's focus on, Lord, I know you, but how am I living in light of eternity? For the rest of my life, Lord, would you help me put on the lenses of filtering through Am I helping the kingdom or am I hurting the kingdom? Solomon was a wise man, but it didn't always mean that he lived for God. But at the end of his life, he was able to say that, God, now I know why we live. And it is one to respect you, God, to revere you, to fear you, to obey you and to keep your commandments. And when it says to fear, it means to respect, to revere. And if you've ever had like an elderly person that you're like, wow, I just have mad respect for them. Or someone who's gone through something hard, you're like, man, I have mad respect for them. You love them, but you wanna like listen to them and honor them. That's how we are with God. God, I wanna honor you. I wanna live for you. I wanna be an image bearer. I wanna be a reflection of you. And by doing that, we lead others to Christ. We are calling others into this life of eternity. There was someone one time told me, it's kind of, not, it's not morbid, it's just a hard thought. What if we walked around and we saw on everyone's forehead like a sticky note 
This is really sad to think about, but what if it either said heaven or it said hell? And it's, that is the reality of walking with the Lord. We know that some people or the people who don't know God are not gonna spend eternity with him in heaven, but they will spend eternity somewhere else. And that is such a hard reality to grasp. But when we put on that lens in light of eternity, God, how can I love the people in front of me? So we're pointing people to Christ because I wanna see them in heaven with me. I wanna see you guys in heaven. I wanna see my family. I want, like you, you, you were made new in heaven. There is no like God-sized hole in your heart in heaven. And so I want you guys to go into worship and I want you to think through like, God, help me put on that lens in light of eternity. Help me, help me fear you, God, and keep your commandments so that we can draw people to Christ. And when you go through hard times, because I guarantee it will happen, just remember that nothing on earth will satisfy you. So let's be obedient to Christ. Let's fear Christ and let's love him with respect and honor. Sound good? Okay, cool. <laughs> All right, you guys can stand up. We're gonna jump into worship and then I'll come up and bless you. Thanks again for listening to this message from New Life Student Ministries. If you wanna keep up with what's happening with us, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at NL Student Ministries.